This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am excited for today's episode because we've got Mike Bucci, Vice President from Bucci Developments in Kokomo Studios live. It was great having Mike in. This is the second day of back to school. Mike right. was feeling the pain. He said immediately he's got three kids getting everybody, you know, it's just like that punch in the face after Labor Day. I'm feeling the pain. You're definitely feeling the pain. Um, feeling a whole bunch of pain. And speaking of which, pain, uh, yeah. Bank of Canada just raised the uh, the interest rate kick in the point, grind. 0.75 <laughs> this morning. So we're in the early stages of this fall market. Let's see what happens here. But yeah. uh, but right now, all we're feeling is pain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from there. <laughs> so from there, I want to say two things I really took away from this conversation. One is... Mike is developing, or sorry, I shouldn't say Mike. Mike and his team, Bucci Developments, have a project at 10th and Garden, which is basically the Nanaimo Broadway um, right. that they've they built without selling. So yep. they're launching. It's, it's, it's the building, if you're driving by there, that already exists. There's a lot of other development, but it's the one that already exists. And what I, I, I love talking to guys like Mike about is why, why are you building there? What attracts you to these these type of developments, these sites? Yeah. You know, how do you make your decisions? He kind of walks us through that. And then the other thing that was great about this conversation, you know, I, I feel like I don't want to steal Mike's line, but he said comparing Calgary and Vancouver is like apples and zucchinis. Right. But uh, still, I feel like that contrast is useful. And there's a lot of interesting things about Calgary that he says, because Bucci's been, they're a Vancouver-based company, but they've been active and very active in Calgary for a very long time. Yeah, that's what I loved about this conversation as well. And, and most people in Vancouver will know Bucci. Also, uh, a lot of people will be familiar with 2550 Garden Drive, 69 new homes coming to Grandview Woodlands. They've got studios, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms. Really, really exciting project. Um, we talk a little bit about that project as well and when you can expect sales. We also dive into the market with uh, with Mike. And then touching on Alberta is always interesting right now because there's so much interest in the Calgary market and uh, a lot of people talking about it, a lot of investors that we know going into Calgary right now. And obviously cash flow is good. The vacancy rate seems to be plummeting, which is great. Lots of opportunities for investing in real estate in Calgary. So we, we talk about that, some of the challenges with that market, some of the challenges with Vancouver, and of course, the uh, question of where would Mike rather uh, rather develop and invest. But before we get to that, Matt, we got some new shirts on order. Finally. I think they're coming in next week. We've been trying to trying to get some V-Rep swag for a while. It just never You know what? I out. feel like the, the last attempt was uh, the coffee mugs. I still have hundreds of those yeah. under my stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots, of, those are everywhere. Those, those, those are everywhere under my stairs. Those, the, yeah. Every, everybody under the stairs at your house has one. Um, here's the thing though. We, we've got these shirts made. 
Super exciting. Two designs. We got the build more housing design and we've got the live from Kokomo Studios design. I think we should tease these on the Instagram at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. We're going to be giving away a ton of shirts. I overordered. Let's just say the last half of the summer was basically you obsessing about these shirts. They they are great. The, the, The number of designs I saw, but great colors, great design. And also if high, real estate high, doesn't work high out. quality t-shirts. Yeah. This is one thing you'll never be faulted on going cheap. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, you, and, and custom, custom sizing too. I got you an XL in the, in the middle <laughs> and uh, extra small on the uh, biceps. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different, uh, I, I worked so hard on these. I got a few for you, um, but, but there are some, uh, there's some great shirts coming to the VREP community and we are going to be very generous with these as well. So uh, check out the design. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. Super excited about that. Matt, what else do we got before we cut to this conversation with Mike Bucci? I, I think that's it. I feel like this is either the calm before the storm or the calm before the calm. Well, what, you know what? The, the, the days of the fall market The Bank here. of Canada, obviously the 75 <laughs> basis points today uh, increase. Uh, that's the news of today. Uh, the fallout TBD, uh, yeah. but we're going to be talking about it in the weeks to come. We just talked to Mike today about yeah, so it. This so this is this is uh, fresh off. This is fresh from uh, from the announcement. from the headlines. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we should get to our talk with Mike Bucci, Vice President of Bucci Developments. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam, with 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds. Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Mike Bucci, Vice President of Bucci Developments. How you doing, Mike? Fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. And I, I apologize about the coffee, guys, because I'm just realizing this is like motor oil. Is this? Uh, hey, not, I'm good. You're good. It's first couple of days of school. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mike, for your time. Uh, maybe we'll start. Can you just tell our listeners? A lot of our listeners are gonna have heard of Bucci Developments, but can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, we're a mid-sized, fully integrated development team. There's about 40 to 45 of us. The construction, property management, and leasing arms are in Calgary. Development, finance, and accounting are here in Vancouver. Uh, We build everything from townhouses to high-rises and 
tend to sort of be biased to building what we want to live in. So we try not to just pump out boxes of air in the sky. Right. And, and you grew up in Vancouver? Yes. Okay. Father of three, right? Yeah. Okay. And you're over on the North Shore? Right at the this, uh, base of South Mount Seymour there. I love it. Beautiful. And how did you get into real estate? So can you talk a little bit about your kind of path into real estate? Yeah. Well, the short answer is nepotism because my father and friend <laughs> started <laughs> The longer, more interesting answer is I graduated out east in 90, uh, sorry, 2002, which when they uh, crashed in the World Trade Center. So that sort of cut off my finance options. Right. Got into a car and drove 48 hours across uh, the country to meet with uh, Don Vassos at CBRE, which is the most interesting interview process. Have you ever heard about it? Just are you an athlete? You know what? We should actually, it would be. Well, we'll, let's come back to that (laughs) and unpack that at some point. (laughs) So you met with, you met with CBRE? And uh, very quickly became financial analyst there. And it's fascinating. I was the only financial analyst for four years, underwrote a billion dollars worth of transactions, saw how all the numbers work, and uh, got a great, well-rounded education on real estate. And quickly learned that I love development. It's great to be an analyst. It's great to be a broker. But at the end of the day, I want to make the key decisions. So it transitioned into the family firm. And and so Bucci... Started in Vancouver because I know you guys are very active in Calgary. Uh, but as a as a company, it founded in Vancouver, started in Vancouver. Yeah. So the Bucci family of companies have been around since the 70s and 80s. Depends on how you define it. At one point, they were even in mobile homes. They were manufacturing estates. They were building mobile home parks all over BC and Alberta. Um, so we've always had a foot in Alberta. My dad really sort of ramped it up in 1998 when the... Uh, the, the provincial economy here tanked for political reasons. And Alberta has always been a diversification strategy for us. Typically when Vancouver's down, Calgary's ascendant and vice versa. And uh, we have a lot of people to feed. So by working in both cities, I'm able to keep them, you know, employed. Can you, can you talk about that's, that's interesting, uh, not only from a diversification strategy, like the yin and yang of, of markets, I guess. Can you talk about some of the, Let's put it this way. Is this even an apt question? Can you talk about the, can you compare the cities? Uh, what do you like about Calgary? How is it different from Vancouver? It, is it like total apples and oranges or is it like uh, Granny Smith and uh, Macintosh? Uh, yeah, it's like apples and zucchinis. It's, <laughs> it's, they're very different. And, and there's a lot of developers that have been buried from Ontario and BC going into Calgary market because they try to replicate their business model. Uh, the successful ones are the ones that have re- recognized that Calgary is a very unique city. It's a completely different buying demographic, approval process, construction environment. Um, it is a com- it is a very difficult market to crack open. But once you do, you, you tend to have some, some and it's some interesting options. They, for example, the, the approval process is fantastic. They actually treat developers as executors of their community plans, whereas here in Vancouver, we're basically pariahs in City Hall. So it's it's a totally different approach. Um, it's very volatile, but it's um, I, I enjoy working in that market. And and from a so the, it sounds like it's a little bit easier to to get things approved and and get through the kind of red tape process of of getting something built from a buyer or renter perspective. It's it's a lot different as well. Can you talk a little bit about uh, those those differences from Vancouver? Yeah, so as we had a quick talk before this, Calgary's developer has to compete. You know, I'm constantly trying to earn the business. 
you know, uh, my buyers have a choice of 15 different homes they could go into. Here in Vancouver, if someone comes into my sales center and says, oh, I don't like such and such about your show suite, I'm going, oh, that's too bad, but don't worry. Mr. Smith down the street has another one, but haha, he's stuck in planning for the next four years. And by the way, while you're thinking about this, prices went up. Like, <laughs> it's just it's a horrible, horrible. You have to compete in Calgary. You, your, your brand and reputation means a lot because especially in the pre-sales, even my own brother at one point came to me here in Vancouver and said, hey, I'm thinking about buying this condo from such and such developer. I'm going, I've never heard of the person. Have they done this before? And he goes, well, I, I, I don't know, but um, I like the location. Okay, great. But um, that won't fly in Calgary. Right. I thought you were going to, I thought he was coming for, for a Bucci project. I'm trying to, to grind send him to the... <laughs> He's done that too. <laughs> That's also how. Just thinking about, you know, basically owning rental in, in Calgary, you have to compete to, to get, put people in homes basically and keep them there. To sell condos or townhomes, you have to compete in a way that you don't in Vancouver. Thinking more about Vancouver and the Bank of Canada just raised interest rates again, 0.75% this morning. There's a lot of doom and gloom out, out there. What, what's your take on the market here right now? We're in a period of inflection right now, or price discovery, whatever you want to call it. There's definitely a narrative and an expectation in the buying market that prices have to come down. Very understandable. Uh, purchasing power has been eroded. There's a ton of armchair experts on social media advocating for this. And I think the development community is very sympathetic to all that. The problem is we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Our costs are going up like exponentially by the month, whether it be construction costs, whether it be property taxes, whether it be our own financing costs or all interest. So we have the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. And we're in a log jam situation that in Vancouver, typically six to 12 months, and eventually something's got to give. And I would love to tell you that the governments are somehow going to buy me cheaper two by fours. Right. But I just, <laughs> it just, it's not seeming like that's going to happen. It could, you know, we definitely are, are attacking supply chains. But as it stands today, we're not seeing opportunities for cost to decrease. And we're already in the lowest margin in development uh, industry in North America. So, so somebody out there is thinking, well, if you can't sell your, your product, there's the potential that developers are going to just start unloading and moving on. But does that actually happen or is it more so like what happens if you can't move a project? Do you, do you typically hang on to it? Do you keep it as rental or does it, do you have options as a developer? So there's, there's different types of developers in, in Vancouver, as everyone knows. Like it's, it's quite a unique industry. There's not like a cookie cutter approach. A lot of them use pre-sales. So if you're not hitting your pre-sales target, you're not getting your construction finance and the project doesn't get built. And that's like, 80 to 90% of the market. The balance is stuff like um, developers like myself who have a finished project, 70 homes, 69 homes, excuse me, uh, ready to go to market today. I'm holding them. But we're fairly experienced. We're fairly well financed. It took us three years to get that thing rezoned and another three years to get it built. I'm not going to unload it all today in a panic low point right. in the market. I'll sit on it for a year and a half if I have to just to break even at least. Right. Or... You said rent it. That's another option as well. And this is, just to be clear, we're talking about, uh, because Gucci is launching a project at Garden and 10th, 2550 Garden Drive. And this is unique in a number of ways uh, that hopefully we can talk about, but it, it, also that it's built, right? It's built. You didn't pre-sale the project. You, you've built it out. And that's, that's fairly unique in Vancouver. That very rarely happens. Uh, that's probably a direct result of COVID. 
you know, we got after three years of a grueling uh, entitlement process, we finally got it. We're ready to go. And bang, COVID hit. We couldn't even open a sales center. And we made a decision like, okay, do we just sit on the raw dirt for two years or do we keep the crews busy? And we're like, let's go. So we financed it, we built it, and it's now finished. You, just before, just thinking back to the the idea of the market, basically that you know a lot of people think it's doom and gloom, pricing is we're, we're softening, pricing is coming off, and yet to build is the prices are going up. So there's like this, I don't want to quote you, but the immutable object line. What do you see in the resale market, and how does that impact the way that Gucci's analyzing the market? Like, because, you know, like we've talked to other people who are saying, you know, even right now downtown, like the replacement cost is higher than what a lot of stuff is selling for. I guess I, I'd be curious to hear your take on the market more generally, including the resale market and kind of how, how the next six months to a year to a year and a half look. There's a lot of stuff that's being flushed out of the market. There was some guys, the listings were never real listings in the first place. And they deserve to get flushed. And they are going to get flushed. And, and that's great. The core of the market, though, it's a broader, more long-term picture. And that's the one we have to look at. In Canada, as a whole, we have a housing crisis. And there's a discussion that's very typically Canadian. On one side, you have the narrative that there is no such thing as a supply shortage. And that's really being pushed by BMO and a couple other groups and their their solution to the housing crisis typically if you don't believe that supply is a problem is massive government intervention they're really advocating for basically government built housing or subsidized housing and and there's this push which is great that's a very canadian response the, the reality though is that the government can't do that they, they, they got to patch up our, our healthcare system they got to patch up first nation reconciliation our defense benefit. there's simply not the trillions of dollars that would be required to do that so on the other side of the narrative is um that the housing crisis is a result of not enough supply, that there is a bunch of government policies and, and other forces at work that continue to limit us from meeting the demand of people that are moving to Canada and to the West Coast in particular. Um, and this group is arguing for less government intervention. And this, is, this happens all over Canada and whether, whatever side of the things. So as a developer, and I look at it, I know that there's a lot of political pressure to intervene on behalf of the government, but I know they're not able to. So we feel very stable long-term that Vancouver specifically needs a lot of housing. And it's going to come mostly from the private sector that if you're planning on a one, three, five-year term or longer, you're going to be fine. We, we just simply need to provide more housing. Right. So, so, so if you're listening and panicking, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Stay calm and carry on. The market will equilibrate. Absolutely. The fundamentals are so robust. We have a mining industry. We have a forest industry. We have a transportation industry. We have a film industry. We have a high tech. We're winning the reverse beauty contest right now. We're the least ugly place in the world if you're talking about crime or health or, or pollution, uh, climate change. We're very, very lucky to live where we are. There's a lot of people that want to live here. A lot of people want to raise their children here. We do need more housing. It is very difficult to provide it in our current political environment. Um, we do have an inflation problem. We do have an interest rate problem. But these things will solve. From COVID kind of preventing the pre-sale, if, if I understand that correctly, you would have pre-sold the project uh, had COVID not hit. Has this changed your, your approach to developing in the city or would you always typically pre-sale if that option is in front of you? 
we the the pre-sale option is so much more attractive because you just get such better financing. Like we had to just throw millions and millions of dollars of equity in order to get the banks to fund a spec project. It just doesn't happen here in Vancouver. They don't like it, especially during the middle of COVID. So yeah, I will keep pre-selling. It does allow the developer though to put that extra level of attention and care into buildings. I know I'm going to sell finished product. People are going to come in there. They're going to hear the acoustics. They're going to kick the tires. They want to know it's a solid corridor, not a hollow corridor, stuff like this. So a lot of things that we wouldn't get value for in a pre-sale, we can execute on in a spec build. Can we talk about, you know, I, I was struck by what you said earlier about how, um, you know, it's not about pumping out boxes in the sky necessarily, but it's about looking for sites where you would want to live yourself. Can you talk a little bit about how you go about finding uh, development sites, uh, deals, and also what areas of the lower mainland you're you're excited about? Yeah, so the very first sale for every project always happens from myself to my staff. You know, if I'm just saying, hey, we're doing some ATCO trailers in Fort McMurray, it's pretty difficult to get buy-in. We, we look for places that I'd want to live in. If you look at Garden Drive, you know, you've got the largest transit hub in Western Canada. We've got Trout Lake Park. We've got Commercial Drive Shopping. We've got a French Immersion, Vantech Secondary. It's got everything that I'd want in a house. And the other thing that comes up very quickly is I can't be in the room for every decision. Like It's just impossible. So we have big signs above our superintendent's desk saying, if it's a gray area, pretend that your grandma's going to move in. You know, that's the decision that's being made. So this idea that we're constantly building for ourselves uh, propagates itself in terms of who we hire, in terms of sites we want to buy, in terms of construction decisions, design decisions. What would I want in a house? And and so East Van, so that that site specifically, which is which is great. And there's a lot of development going on right there at the Broadway and Nanaimo area, although you're off the main route there. So you, I guess, in terms of process, is it, hey, this part of East Van looks exciting. Let's start looking for a site. Like, I guess, chicken and egg sort of scenario. What, what Can you walk us through the process? I'm kind of curious to find uh, out. Poor uh, acquisition, guys. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, there's a couple of boxes we want to check off of every site. You know, first of all, is mass transit. We have a car. We all, like, I hate the car, but I still need it. But I, So if I can get mass transit, it's a big win. I want to know, is there a good coffee shop, great restaurants? Great restaurants are always a canary in the mine shaft for great communities. So that's a big one. If I get commercial and I get schools and I get green space. So you start drawing circles around the city of Vancouver uh, of, of where you want to be. And there's only so many circles I can go after. And this is one of the frustrating parts about Vancouver is that we have what is it, 22 different municipalities, each with their own interpretation, the building code, each with their own approval process, unlike Calgary and Toronto and Montreal, which are unicity models, and they have actual experts and high-rise and all these things. Every city has their own process. So I can't learn to do it 17 different times. So we have to make decisions. You know, which circles are we going to go after? Uh, East Van, just an obvious one for us. We really identify with the community, the engagement, Quite a few young families, established uh, established character. So we started there. And then after that, just say, hey, acquisition guys, up and down the street. Work with all the realtors, meet all the brokers. We'll look at everything. Here's our model. And it's a long process. It takes years. Well, and if this is, if I understand the, the Garden Drive property, it's a six-year process. 
six years ago, like now you have a couple different developments. There's cranes at Broadway and Nanaimo and it's kind of clear, uh, you know, that subway, uh, <laughs> subway restaurant is not the only thing that's going to be <laughs> in that area or the kind of crazy, uh, leaky condos on the, on the east side. But six years ago, it, it presumably took a little bit of foresight to, to make that jump. Here's, let's, let's change our, our focus, our context here. The Grandview Woodland Plan started in 2008-ish, 2009-ish. So here we are 12, 13 years later, and Garden Drive is the very first project to be delivered under that plan. So nothing about that says housing crisis to me. Like there's just, despite the platitudes that are coming out, it just doesn't seem to be enacting it and being executed on. So we look back, yeah, six years ago. There's a caveat you should know. I was the first guy through the plan. And the first developer through any new community plan always gets the roughest ride. Right. So that's that's not normal. Like we definitely, we got sued by the neighbors. We had to change the design seven times. I ended up with 35 different floor plans out of 69 different homes. Like it is, it was the roughest entitlement process. You can go to, we are the first developer through the plan. We knew we had to break the back on it. And now there's a sort of a, you can see that we talk about the cranes up while we greased the rails for a bunch of other guys coming through. A lot of precedent was already set on our, our project. Um, so I think it is, you talk about having foresight. Yeah, that's, as a developer, we change communities. We are agents of change. We must see the way it will be once we're done. Um, if, you, if you think it's just going to stay the same, we'll never get out of bed in the morning. What about, um, I'm just curious, because one of the things we've talked about is, is a lot of the major arterials are being developed, but Garden Drive is, is not that. Was it more challenging to, to, to develop on on a, a quieter residential street? Yeah, that that was a fight that I'm willing to fight any day. Like the the, the eminence and pushback and the the organization of, of the NIMBYs against this project were was staggering because we were not on a main arterial. In fact, that was one of their constant uh, arguments to us is that it should be on Broadway. It shouldn't be a block or two in. And my counter response is, why do people that live in condos not deserve a quiet street? Right. You know, why do they have to shield you from traffic pollution? You know, people, I, I grew up living in condos when I was my young family, and I always wanted a quiet street. If you look at one of the first projects I moved into, it's down at 3rd and Fur. Nice, quiet street. I love it. Like, I don't understand why we have this bias that condo dwellers have to be on Burrard, Granville, and Broadway. Right. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? 
Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I, when I think about all the projects coming up, it's uh, very few hit a quieter residential. No, it's street. almost all on arterials. And I feel like it's almost part of the, um, I feel like it's a generational thing, maybe. It seems like, you know, it's part and parcel with most buildings and kits having rental restrictions because renters are somehow, you know, devalue the building somehow. Uh, I think the idea that condos are somehow lesser and should be on main routes, right? I think that's got to be the the logic of 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 those current people in single family homes in the neighborhood, but it feels outdated. Um uh and it should it should go. It it does need to go, but it's 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 an argument that's been effective in the past when you go to council and complaining, well, I live in a quiet street and I, I don't want to you know, a condo parking. Yeah, yeah, parking. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I'm trying to explain to the neighbors parking's not relevant here. I, there's a reason why I'm building beside the largest mass transit hub in Western Canada. And <laughs> and, and what about the parking? What about the parking? Like, okay. A lot of pylons on Garden Drive right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe kind of in, in thinking, I'd, I'd like to go back a little bit to the market conditions, and it, it doesn't sound to me. Like at least for this project, Gucci has uh, has has really changed or responded or pivoted with market conditions. But what about moving forward? Is this gonna is the is the slight downturn or, or perceptive downturn going to change what you guys are doing or or where you're going? No, we have in the pipeline two other projects almost identical to Garden Drive, two blocks to the west, and those will come to market as pre sales probably March or April next year. And I'm pretty confident they're going to go. If they don't, we just don't get built and the housing supply remains constrained. We're still in acquisition mode. I'm still buying sites. I still have this belief that long term, we do need to supply housing. We have eight or 900 homes, or sorry, 1,100 homes now coming up in the Fleetwood area of Surrey. Again, I think that's necessary with this new SkyTrain line being needed. And I think we need another city center out there and that Fleetwood will eventually become. We're still in acquisitions mode. I have to have, if, if I plan my business six months at a time, it'd be pretty discombobulated. Right. So if you look at the three to five year business plan, which by the way, never comes to fruition, but it's great to have milestones so that when things go 90 degrees, you know why, such as today. But I, I think we're going to be just fine. I'm still buying sites. I'm still building. And just to be clear, that's like Lakewood and 10th. You have two. Uh, so those ones are on Broadway. And they are two blocks to the west of Gardens. So they're, uh, what's that? I think that's Lakewood, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's yeah, yeah, Templeton, great. Lakewood, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. That's exciting. Yeah, so we're going to use Garden Drive as basically the pre-sales model, saying, look, come kick it, come squeeze it, come feel it. We're going to replicate it two blocks to the west. 
anyone comes into the uh, sales center will have an option that I can purchase to move in today or I can go down the pre-sales route uh, come March next year. So if I if I understand correctly, so Garden 2550 Garden Drive, 69 homes uh, is the offering. Uh, and the the breakdown of the units is roughly, it goes from studios all the way up to three beds? Three beds, yeah. And the three beds are, are quite nice. They have rooftop patios. They're large. We really gave some thoughts of insulating the bedrooms from each other so that you're not getting noise. Yeah, they're nice family homes. Nice. And and you were saying you spent a lot. So th- is it wood frame? That one is wood frame. Again, I live in condos my whole life. Acoustics are a big thing to me. So there's 18,000 pounds of concrete in every single suite there on average in order wow. to get the acoustics. And that, that concrete gets poured on a vibromat that wraps up the studs. We don't get the transfer flanking noise through the, the, the party walls. And I encourage all industry professionals that want to see some of these details. We'll try and do an open house every day between 11 a.m. to noon on weekdays so you can get behind the drywall and see some of the details. Are potential buyers able to The problem not with that yet, or? Is, is that they want to run through every suite in the building and see potential views, and it's very disruptive to construction. By keeping it to industry professionals, we can just show one or two token examples. So right. we're going to limit it to industry. And in, um, and then in terms of sales timelines, do you guys have, uh, have any timelines uh, like when, when you're planning the starting sales? Sales uh, get going at the end of this month. But I'm muting expectations. Like I don't, especially coming out of such a hot market, I'm having to say, look, this is not what it was six to 12 months ago. We're going back to the way it used to be. Like this is going to be an absorption of three to four units per month. Right. Um, This is going to be a lot of empathy with our buyers, knowing that they expect things that I can't give, knowing that they don't have, unfortunately, great choices. They're going to have to go away and think about it four or five, six times. We're going to have to, win the argument, not just with our buyers, but with all their peer group and their family and their coworkers and explain it. So it's, it's going to be a, a different sales process. One that's not usual in Vancouver. No, but very normal in Calgary. So right. like we're, we're bringing out that playbook. Oh, nice. And in thinking about Calgary, cause we talked a little bit about Calgary before we, uh, before we turned the mics on, but just thinking about that market right now, it seems quite busy in Calgary. Why are you excited about, about Calgary? We were, almost out of that market. I, as a developer and a guy who's got to invest hundreds of millions of dollars into an economy, the volatility of the oil and gas is so tiring. You know, it's just, just when you finally build up a great construction and sales team, it tanks. And you got to build it. It's a classic developer's conundrum. I can either build it or I can sell it. I can never do it both at once. And we were um, sort of getting ready to exit and then Russia evaded Ukraine. And that was a big deal. You know, you quickly realize that the third largest Ukrainian population in the world is on the prairies. You got Russia, uh, Ukraine number one, uh, Russia number two, and then the prairie population. Then we also need grain, need oil, we need natural gas, everything that that Calgary provides. And and again, so we have a need for housing. When there's a need, um, a sustainable need, we will be there. Do you see a transition away from oil and gas? Like I know, I think... By all accounts, it's uh, there's been a push for diversification. That is, um, I'm curious to hear your take on it. Is it is is Calgary kind of transitioning to to something different, or is it kind of stuck in the old mold? Six years ago, I went on a soapbox rant to a bunch of politicians and said, "Look, if you really are serious about diversification, you should just double the shred credits in proportion to the Alberta payroll." And they went, "What the hell is a shred credit?" I'm like, "Oh God, no, you guys." 
think this is really key and important. Shred credit is often like the sole cash flow for a high tech startup. Like if you can double those in proportion to your, your thing, you'll get every startup and high tech and VC suddenly look east and move their staff there because that's their lifeblood. It's changed. I remember when Kenny did that debacle of buying the pipeline and billions of dollars. Like, you know, if you just took half of that and executed. So they're, they're coming around. But the business climate and business culture there, it's very entrepreneurial at the small scale. Like every single one of my staff in Calgary has a side hustle. One guy makes barbecues. Another one makes beard oils. Like they're, there's, right. They've all got a side <laughs> hustle. And it is very entrepreneurial. But making the jump to the midsize just seems to be stalled out because it's oil and gas sucks up the best talent, the best financing. And that's the the, the, the winner's curse over there. So maybe just thinking about, you know, we have a lot of people over the years, and I think especially in the last couple months, like you mentioned cash flow in Calgary uh, that you can't get in Vancouver. The, the, the purchase prices are pretty attractive for kind of mom and pop investors uh, looking at different markets. I know Bucci's been in Calgary for a long time, but it sounds like it, based on this conversation, it's an entirely different animal. Can you talk about kind of maybe from the perspective of a, of, of a larger developer like Bucci, but also for, say, a mom and pop investor, it's like, hey, I might be thinking about trying to get into Calgary, like how, how you go about understanding the market and what works there and how, how you have to transition from, say, you know, like I was just mentioning putting a rental on and having 100 people you know, knocking on the door and screaming that, you know, they need this place in Vancouver. The key trap to avoid is thinking like a Vancouverite in Calgary. So think of the Calgaryan doesn't have great job security because of volatility, you know, has seen flat housing prices for the last seven years. What inducement is there to take on a 25 year mortgage? Zero. So you have a huge group that wants to rent massive. And they're building a lot of rental, way more than Vancouver. It's, it's like exponentially higher. So you, you have competition. Um, having said that, if you do have a well-located rental project, in t- Calgary, it's typically defined as sort of this donut around downtown. Um, Vancouver, it's always the closer you get to Vancouver, the, or at least it used to be, the closer you get to Vancouver, the more valuable the real estate. Uh, Calgary, it's always been this donut of in the Northeast, you had Bridgeland, in the Northwest, you had Kensington. Southeast, you had sort of the mission bank views um, markets. So if you're in these attractive markets, not only do you have a huge pool of renters, you cash flow positive out of the gate. You don't get that in Vancouver. You're feeding that mortgage. Um, You also have much more attractive rent controls there. Like Vancouver, the challenge we're running into bringing new rental on is we're capped at inflation or less. At the same time, the city of Vancouver is ratcheting up property taxes by triple inflation. Um, and same with utilities and all these things. So we're actually on an IRR basis going backwards. So it sounds like, though, focusing on those those key neighborhoods is you're going to have more competition, but you get it rented out and, and pretty good rents. Well, the, 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 the competition's all coming down in the Beltline, which is sort of just south of downtown because the city's got a great approach. If you want to build it, there's no height restrictions. So you, you can just throw up 40, 50-story rentals. And there's time. And competing against that, good luck. But in these more established communities, which I gave you in this donut, um, you have a little bit of supply constraint. You have a little bit of a diversification strategy. Um, I think you'll stand out and do well. Do you like the Beltline? Is that kind of your favorite? Or do you have a favorite like sub area in, in Calgary? I really like Bridgeland. We've done, I think we're on our seventh project there now. We've done well over a thousand homes. 
in that area. I find it very walkable. I find it's it's you can walk to downtown, but it's all green open space. It feels almost rural. Like it's it's quite nice. I'm a big fan of that. I like uh, the Mission area. It's got a lot of great restaurants. I like Kensington. It's more sort of more like Kitsilano-ish, I would say. I like Inglewood. It's sort of uh, the hip Main Street vibe. These are all great communities with great individual personalities with all those amenities I've told you I like. These are all areas I'd go after. What about the province of of BC? Like, are you are you does Bucci have any plans on developing outside of Vancouver and the Lower Mainland? You're, <laughs> we recently made the decision to not go into Kelowna, to pull out of Kelowna. And this is making me very unpopular with my peers, but that was the first time we made an investment decision based on climate change. You know, Kelowna's on fire. There's a lot of good reasons Kelowna's on fire. But what I point out, it's figuratively on fire as well. Like it's had five forest fires in the last seven years. Right. It's had a highway that's got flooded out uh, just recently in this last sort of rainstorm. It just, and the winters suck. So we're like, you know, climate change is becoming a much bigger thing. If we're investing again on this three, five, seven, ten year horizon, what market we're going to open up? I think we're going to go to the island. It's it's it seems to be more climate change resistant. It has uh, a lot of government offices, so it's a little bit more stable. It has its international airport. It has a high tech scene. Um, we we like the island a lot more than than Kelowna, and I think if we're going to open up another market in BC, that would be it. The question I have to ask myself, is it worth it? Are we diversifying systematic risk? And the answer is probably not. Mm. Is there other markets where you'd see that diversification uh, making more sense? What we're exploring, and this is early days, is instead of trying to diversify by geography, let's diversify by product type. So we're starting to go into industrial. And industrial is a totally different animal. Uh, it's a lot easier to build, but it's also a lot easier, to, a lot more difficult to deploy capital. Um, and I think that's a whole other podcast, but industrial seems to be a quite disconnected from the residential market. So that's another diversification strategy right. that we're sort of trying out right now. And it's one that's paid off. Well, I'm sure you've heard all about the industrial market here in, in Vancouver yep. and I've been all across Canada as, as people start to re reshore jobs. I just kind of want to take it full circle here and go back to your early days at, um, CBRE. Oh yeah. Uh, right. Because I... Not only because I want to understand that interview process, but we should touch on that. But, but is that like I I can't help but think that being an analyst gives you so many opportunities in this industry because just understand analyzing deals and understanding which asset class how how it makes sense, right? Do you consider that as like kind of the 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 foundation of your your real estate education? Ah, that's a tough one. Or was it sitting around the family dinner table? There's yeah. a lot of that too. I got some great <laughs> advice. It's really though our, our team. I have seven key direct reports that are all young. They're all rock stars. They've all got pressure, a foot on my back to perform. So I, I feel the, the, the need to constantly keep feeding the machine. So now I've got this need. And, this, and remember, necessity is the mother of all invention. How do I execute? And maybe that's where the analyst... Backgrounds. I basically have to tell myself a story every single time to justify why I'm doing this, to justify to my team why we're going after this. And so perhaps the, the analysis side comes in to, to, to help craft that story. But it's action at the end of the day that, that leads to everything. Yeah. If you look at a real estate development, it's nothing more than 10,000 tiny decisions. Right. So that execution, you know, we, we'd say, hey, we're pedantic. We're almost anal in our attention to detail because every decision is important. 
And then how do you execute on that? And again, we come back to, I can't be in the room for every one of those decisions, but if I'm not, pretend your mom's moving in. And that's just sort of how it, it all flows together. And last, the interview. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fascinating. It was the quickest interview ever. Was, as Don used to play for the CFL. And he's, he is just such a legend in the, in the commercial real estate world. And his, the interview process was, what sports did you play? And I, I happened to play a lot of sports. And I told him, he goes, great, you're hired to start tomorrow. Seems super weird, right? <laughs> I feel like that's how my dad would do it, but, but too. I had, but I had to go home and, and think, why does a guy who's one of the most successful real estate brokers in, in Vancouver's history ask such a weird interview? Is it because, well, if you're a real estate broker, you're an individual performer that has to hold themselves accountable. There's a lot of similarities between high-performing athletes and a commercial real estate broker or any type of broker. Yeah. Like you're competitive, you're self-starting, you're regimented. Uh, if, if you demonstrated those in sports, quite likely you'll be successful in that field. You know what? We've had so many people on this podcast over the last six years, and uh, so many of them have been athletes. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible, actually, and a lot. So many in the development industry, um, specifically. <laughs> that makes that's a lot actually of sense. a great uh, interview question. We'll save that one. Uh, if we're ever hiring again. Yeah, Matt and I played house league. So uh, that tells you about our businesses. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe we'll leave it there. But Mike, we have this segment called the five wire, five questions, uh, lighthearted questions to end the show. Can you stick around for that? Sure. Yeah. The five wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. All right. So uh, question number one is, uh, what is one book you'd recommend for our listeners? So I'm just at the point in my life where I can read for pleasure again. Right. You know, like I've I was going to say your youngest yeah. is 11, right? <laughs> yeah. I have an 11 year old too. And I'm like, just on that. Just, I can have a hobby. So I, uh, one of my favorite books right now is it's an older book, but it's Neil Stevens, uh, Stevenson's Cryptonomicon. And this book was written back in 2002 ish, but it, it's, it's a fiction book from World War II to today and how it led to the rise of cryptocurrency. And he's drawing the, the narrative of real events in World War II and encryption and how it came to, to be in a fiction. It's a, it's a lighthearted but long read that explains cryptocurrency. Wow. That's interesting. What, sorry, can you give the name of the book again? It's Neil Stevenson is the author. He's a futurist. Uh, and the book's called Cryptonomicon. Cryptonomicon. Okay. In the last five years... What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I'd have to go with acknowledging my energy vampires. You know, taking time about every 30 days or so to write down what is my biggest energy vampire, the thing that's sucking the most out of me, and then taking action on that. It's so easy to let an energy vampire just sit there on your shoulder. It's a great one. That is a great I've one. I've never even heard of an energy vampire. But oh, you uh, wait. You yeah. have a lot of them. <laughs> anybody who sits on a strata council probably has an energy vampire yeah. <laughs> that's, that's for sure what have you been binge watching lately um, conscious that you have three kids here but binge watching or or a, a movie recommendation I got nothing sorry guys I don't watch much TV at all although I will tell you 
one funny story. My brother comes to me. I have one brother. And he's almost sheepish. He does watch TV. He's like, Mike, I've been sitting on this for five years. He's like, I, I got to tell you, you have to watch a show called Arrested Development. It's like a parody of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched that one. That was pretty fun. That's one of the best. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Favorite band or music, Mike? I just went to the Ambleside Music Festival and I watched uh, Mother Mother play. They're from Quadra Island. They put on a great show. I've never seen a guy work so hard. Great theme to, to their music. I really enjoyed Mother Mother. You didn't see The Offspring there, did you? I did not. I couldn't make it that day. I was actually <laughs> at the tennis open up there at Hollyburn that day. Oh, right on. And last but not least, something you've purchased for under $1,500 that's uh, had a positive impact on your life in the last few years. Oh, you know what? Um, I, I purchased a CNC machine. Uh, again, I'm at a stage in my life where I can have a hobby. So I'm learning how to woodcraft and, and work software on a CNC machine just as a fun little hobby. I, I encourage hobbies. They're a very important part of mental health and sort of expanding your creativity. CNC, is that like uh, like you can make signs? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's like a two foot by two foot. Put wood in there. You program the machine and it carves it out for you. And I've had a lot of fun with it. Oh. Huh. Good one. Yeah. Never had that. I thought you were going to say AirPods. Yeah, everybody oh. says AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike, how can people find out more about Bucci Developments and, of course, uh, 2550 Garden Drive and all the exciting things you guys are up to? Just Bucci.com. Uh, B-U-C-C-I.com. Sounds good. Thanks so much for your time, Mike. That was a fa- fascinating conversation. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Vice President of Bucci Developments, Mike Bucci. Really enjoyed that conversation with Mike and great having him uh, in studio. Not surprised he was a big athlete. Not surprised at all. I, I like that as an interview question. I feel like, you know, I was thinking about this after he said it and I kind of implied uh, as much on the show. Our old man, almost anyone that we mention, it's like they play sports. Like he's got, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. That's a, that's maybe a, like a, a real, like a foundational boomer, uh, kind of way to interpret, but if someone's, yeah, but it, it, but it, but there's a, there's a lot to take away from playing organized sports and especially team sports. I agree. Uh, And I was just, I'm watching my daughter play soccer right now and you can see the, the different skills, you know, It, it ain't dance. You know what? Here's here's the thing too. You know, when you think about hockey growing up, and I joked about us playing house league, but really we almost played in the NHL, both of us. And and <laughs> just just shy, just shy. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the amount of practices and games that you have when you're a kid and showing up in your suit and tie, like you you only. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, that wasn't a mandatory. I don't know why you got from, so dressed from eight up. on. Yeah, exactly. But um, anyways, it, it's uh, it, it teaches you discipline. Is you what know, it does. well, discipline. Yeah, there's a lot of skills that I feel like we learned playing organized sports that I I'm not sure I would have learned anywhere else. So right. it's a it is a useful. It's a good one for the future when you're interviewing people out there. Yes, um, that's a great question, and it was a great talk with Mike. Yeah, really enjoyed that. I'm also super excited about 2550 Garden Drive. I think this is um, of all the, and I and I don't want to. I'm not trying to uh, suggest that the other developments in the area are not in good locations, but this location is dynamite. Well, it's um, off especially the, being off of the main arterial. You know right? what? It's off that the one block west of Nanaimo and one block south of of Broadway, right? So right. you're, you know, it, 
when he, he basically said, you know, people that live in condos shouldn't be punished by having to live on arterials. Yeah. And you think the question for this building is going to be, am I on the quiet side? And that's a moot point because everybody's on the quiet side. Right. Right, right, right. And I, I love that you get to go to see it too, because we've, we've talked about so much on this show about pre-sale, about just never knowing what you're, what you're truly getting. It doesn't matter how many renditions you have. There's always maybe surprises and you always hope it's, it's a pro- positive surprise, but sometimes it can be a negative surprise. But here you actually get to see what you're buying, which is always super exciting. Matt, what else do we have before we cut for the day? What else do we have before we cut? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Speaking of, man, there's a lot going, a lot of new stuff happening here, but yes. uh, the, the website is... There's is, a new is, site coming. It's, it's coming as well. But right now we have the old site, but it's still the best source for all your real estate needs, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for things like the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer. Stats from the real estate board and other places before anyone else. You also get deal of the month. You get VIP presale access to residential and sometimes commercial right. projects. Speaking uh, of guys that almost went to the big show, Corey Wright. Uh, yeah, he doesn't you like know, to talk about it. It's but, crazy uh, that you go from that to falling off a Peloton. But I, <laughs> <laughs> It's been a couple of years. It in has between. been a couple of years. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's a Vancouver commercial real estate podcast where you can find that as well on the live wire. We also have, of course, private client services. Absolutely. And if you are not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get basically realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips. And yeah, it is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. It's also the best time to be monitoring the market. If you're if you're one of these people that you're trying to time as close to the bottom as as you possibly can. There are opportunities in this market, 100%. You should be watching. And the best way to watch is, of course, with private client services. And uh, Matt, how can people get in touch with you? They can try me at 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. And uh, we're back next week with and, some uh, more I feel fantastic like, content. I feel like we're going to have some real bangers coming up this fall. So I'm excited about it. And the shirts. And the shirts, of course. Take care, guys. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.